Ever wondered what it takes to create an eco-friendly oasis that harmonizes with our planet? In this episode, join us as we unravel the inspiring journey of Ignazi, a general manager of an environmentally sustainable hotel in Catalonia, Spain. He shares his journey of creating an eco-friendly escape together with his wife, Marta, that aligns with their values of sustainability and conscious living. Ignazi discusses the importance of reducing waste and reusing resources, as well as the impact of personal connections and partnerships. He also highlights the influence of his background in humanitarian studies and the aha moments that led him to pursue a more purposeful and sustainable path. Ignazi emphasizes the need for conscious consumerism and the power of individual choices in creating a better world. So, get ready for heartwarming tales of rescue dogs and chickens and delve into Ignazi's reflections on reducing suffering and finding happiness through meaningful connections and personal interests. I am thrilled to introduce you to our amazing guest, Ignazi. You are listening to Health, Happiness and Planet podcast, where we explore different ways to boost our well-being, live a more fulfilling life and protect our planet. Join me as I chat with inspiring people and professionals from all over the world, uncovering strategies for improving our lifestyles and nurturing our precious planet. I am Juan, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by Wave Business Excellence Footprint, my digital training company that cares about your career and personal development. I am passionate about making the world a better place, so if you share my enthusiasm, this show is for you. Together, we can steer towards a healthier, happier life while leaving a positive footprint on our beautiful Earth. Join me as we explore how being healthy, happy and caring for our planet are all connected. Hello, Ignazi, and welcome to the Health, Happiness and Planet podcast. It's so great to have you here. Hi, Juan. Thank you very much for hosting me today. It was such an amazing uh, experience when uh, Monica and I went to your hotel last year and uh, we had such a fabulous time there and the way how you have your hotel together with Marta is totally out of the ordinary. So that's why I think it's a really good opportunity to do this podcast and to share it with my listeners because it really fits to the topic health, happiness and planet. Before we jump into that, I just wanted to ask you, what is your story and how did you actually get to where you are? today well that's a that's a big question eh? to be the first question but i was born and raised here in palamos and that's palamos it's a small seaside town in the center of the costa brava will be halfway between the french border and barcelona more or less we are one hour from barcelona one hour from france and that's what i lived until i was 18 mm -hmm. and then i left palamos and with my wife we came back almost four years ago during the first state of alarm so you know it's like i spent half of my life here of my early life and the other half abroad and work, working studying living and then after many years of doing different things the turning point maybe was in 2017 mm -hmm. when with Marta we said, yeah, it might be time to move to a small place. It's a coincidence that we came back to Palamos, that we end up settling here because it was not on my plans at all. But a state of alarm, a pandemic paved the way to find an opportunity. And what we're looking 
until the COVID-19, we were living in Barcelona. I had a hostel and Marta worked as a, as a consultant. And we started working on an eco-friendly project, plant-based, honest, and why not an hotel? We worked on that for a couple of years. And when they locked us down for the first time, we just decide that that's that's the moment in a way it helped us yeah. uh, no it's totally helped us yeah. so we just decide to move and go to the Ampurda and to look for a place where the main issues were to open a place to work with organic products mm -hmm. and try to live an honest life and why not dream about a hotel yeah. and somehow during these chaotic moments of the first months of COVID we find an hotel and we took over. So we, we are the tenants, we're renting the hotel. And that was, they give us the opportunity to really build a dream. So we really work with local products. We try that everything's homemade and whatever my wife and me, we don't reach. So we try to work, for example, the shower gel, the body lotion, uh, mosquito repellent. They're all homemade from Calonja. That's a town right next to us. We had a vegetable garden, not anymore since our first daughter burned, but we buy all our vegetables and fruits to local farmers. Mm -hmm. So that's all what we have. We try to share our values mm -hmm. and principles with our guests and to build and run a family, honest, eco-friendly place. Yeah. And that's really what we felt when we got there for the first time. I'm like... Okay, this is totally different because when we entered, yeah, we were like looking for the address. It was at the beginning. Uh, I was not so sure I was taking the right turn. But then when we got to your hotel, it was like, you know, suddenly you just drive into an area and it's such a nice open space and you have nice plants and flowers everywhere. And then we saw your dogs that were just lying around there sleeping in the sun. And we were thinking, okay, that's first of all, a totally different way of coming to a new place to a hotel when you see the animals already just lying around on the outside. And then when I got to meet your staff they were all barefoot and I'm like thinking okay this is definitely a different type of hotel <laughs> and, and yeah. uh, it felt like very much like coming home somehow yeah it, it felt very close to my heart where I said wow this is not only things for the food which is local and everything that is then regional that it's healthy for your customers but that you also have done a lot of solutions of how to reduce even the garbage yes I was thinking okay you barely see any trash cans around because you do not produce that much trash so how was your way of finding solutions how to reduce the trash that you create yeah so we say that we are not focused on recycling mm -hmm. but on reducing and reusing so that's the main issue okay. we are in a 15th century catalan farmhouse that's where we live and we try to share our, our values and principles with with our guests mm -hmm. so it's an hotel it's not a homestay so you know you have all the facilities and and in a way, the comfort of being in an hotel. But at the same time, you are in a different place. And I like the way you said that it feels different. Different, most of the times it's good. Sometimes can be bad. And we know that, but it's our project. So if you're looking for this kind of big, massive continental hotel with the same like food waste, no, we are not that kind of hotel. So if you booked us for that reason, I'm sorry. You might enjoy it, but you might not enjoy it. However, if you look for a um, family-run, quiet, chill, slow place, that's the place you've booked. And we know that uh, what we do, it's quite unique. 
unique in the area. There are amazing projects around the world and hopefully um, more projects will come. But where we are, it's in a touristic area and the beach, it's a big claim and a lot of hotels they just stop to innovate and in a way they fill up the rooms in summer and for them it's good we don't really care about that that much as long as we finish the year on green yeah. <laughs> on green numbers but we try to change the world why not bring our yeah all our energy to have a world with less consumption of products and zero waste and then like reuse and and reduce all our resources, no? We don't need that much, so try to use the minimum, but at the same time, use a minimum that it pleases us, that everyone feel comfortable, and that it's really good for ourselves. So the breakfast, it's good that we know how many guests are going to have breakfast every day, and we can adapt. So that allowed us to give a huge quality breakfast to our guests, and at the same time, reduce all the waste, because we know in a ahead how many guess we're gonna have to serve no the same for when we serve some we normally don't offer meals but if for whatever reason someone needs a salad or someone needs um, snacks or some dinner we can also adapt and prepare it especially for this person and just go to the market or to the vegetable garden and buy the food that this Mm -hmm. guest needs and that allowed us without charging nothing insane to give high quality products because we really reduced the waste. The fact of it's run also as a family, that in a way I think it's a super family run business, it's allowed us to have a personal contact with the guests. Mm-hmm. Actually, guests love to come here and talk to us. We have a lot of regular customers, but at the same time, we want we don't have that much ego, you know, <laughs> that we, we don't really need to to have that people workshop us. So it's good that we uh, have staff, volunteers, that they share our principles and values and that also they can feel that that belongs to them and give us some new solutions or new ideas that we didn't even think about it or furthermore, some guests. I try to learn from everyone, from um, guests, volunteers, staff, and the good guests, the good volunteers and the good staff are the ones that they've teach me something. So in a way, it's a project that started in June 2020, but it's unfinished. Well, so we thought that it will always be unfinished yeah. um, because there are always new things, new projects. Yeah. In addition to all that, what I've just said, we also try to do partnerships with other persons that we share principles and values We've done yoga, we've done African dance, we've done uh, natural cosmetic workshops, then we've done also ceramic classes. So we always try to innovate or offer our place to people to try to develop their ideas and their projects. And we can have as a regular uh, ceramic classes that they went great for the girl that they did it. And she just opened her own uh, studio, which that's amazing, no? that she could start working on their project and now they have her own workshop. We have some visitors that they're here for uh, some time with physiotherapists or osteopaths and then some kind of instructors like yoga or Pilates or African dance that they come once in a while or during high season, during low season, whatever they prefer, and they can perform their activities here at the hotel. So it's great that we can use this as a base camp of other people to be able to develop their projects and ideas. And concerning 
concerning the barefoot thing you mentioned, it's not mandatory. I mean, our guests and our staff and our and our volunteers, there's no punishment if they wear shoes. <laughs> However, when you offer yourself as a barefoot friendly place, that really paves the way for other people to just kick off their shoes and, and don't wear them until they check out of the hotel. But it's more about our own limits. Some people think that shoes are necessary and that the dress codes uh, require shoes we don't think that at all and when you show that to other people as the owner not as a guest in a way that creates an effect to a lot of people maybe it's not the majority but to an important number that yes why not no i mean a lot of people feel comfy working barefoot at home or at the beach so why not going around the hotel or or maybe going to the market uh, also barefoot if they see you doing that no? or at least showing that it's the way we live and for us it's totally accepted obviously and uh, there's not a problem more than contrary yeah yeah it feels also like an invitation for the others to explore and sometimes i notice that they are very inquisitive yeah, if, if other person sees another person being without their shoes and then they're just thinking okay i wonder if that's really feels good i wonder if that's maybe going to make me feel more comfortable at this place and then they have at least like the invitation to say okay if i would like to try it i'll try it and if not then it's also fine and that's why i think i felt so at home when i came to your place because my wife and i we're also most of our time barefoot so when we were there we we're like hey that's just like being at home at your place <laughs> yeah yeah fantastic we were happy I, i think with you juan we we achieve our our goal no? that make you feel like home yes in all the ways eh? because it's not only i mean if you would have come here and you would have seen us all barefoot then yes that's fine but if for instance eh, you would have seen a lot of actually i think that there are no cans you know the you would have seen like a lot of plastics and mm. for breakfast you would have eaten this kind of sugar-based <laughs> uh, pastries and not fresh fruit at all bad quality jams and butters, then, you know, on the one hand, you would have feel at home for the fact of, you know, like mm -hmm. being barefoot and being and totally fine with it. Or, or, but on the other hand, you would not have feel comfortable. Yeah. So in, in a way, it's like to try that everyone can feel from one mm -hmm. thing, yeah. but in a good way. No? It's exactly. like we, we don't have TVs. Yeah. So um, we don't have TVs. So if you don't feel home because you don't have TV, I'm sorry, but maybe that's not the place you should have choose. No. Um, we also have trouble sometimes with guests eh? when we try to do something like vegan or, or organic that they prefer this chocolate milk with a croissant. In a way, you have also to, I don't like the, to use the word educated, but to show people that's what you have and that's what they've booked and there are other meals available and other lifestyles also that they're better than the ones they, yes. they use. Correct, correct. And I think that's definitely the complete package, as you said, yeah? because on one side, I could have felt uh, very at home seeing the staff members barefoot. But if, as you said, if you don't have maybe uh, such nice organized and clean rooms, if you don't have great food, if you don't have friendly staff, if you don't have nice uh, and clean surroundings in your hotel, then all of that, it would just not be valued as anything because the full package does not fit together. That's really my eye-opener, that the full package was really fantastic being at your place. And I think that gives an invitation or maybe even an eye-opening experience for the guests who are maybe not yet that into... Um 
I would say, sustainable traveling and not having perhaps so much uh, contact with electronics at the end of the day where they have a, a room with Wi-Fi and with uh, TV sets and surround sound speakers and everything, they will experience a total different general experience being in your place compared to other places where they have been in the past. And then they can actually think about and reflect about life and to think, well, this is so different to what we know. Is it maybe another option that we have for still feeling great and still being uh, very kind to the planet and also kind to ourselves because we are not going through all of that same type of standardized way of traveling when you go to places where they are using a lot of garbage, that they are throwing away a lot of food, where they are having a lot of electromagnetic fields around you and you, you just do not realize why am I not sleeping so well at certain hotels and you just do not know that you're being bombarded with all these electromagnetic fields. So all of these things, I think it, it's like an eye-opener for people to think, well, there's other alternatives to be very grounded in your place, in your hotel. I really hope, because as, as I am also vegan myself, that, uh, that people can realize how tasty can plant-based food really be, especially if it's uh, prepared just like at home, because in, in that case, your wife, Marta, she's then the one in charge of most of the meals, from what I understood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and she also has a very nice Instagram account where you can see all of the things that she prepares. And that also was for us a very nice experience to taste the food uh, that Marta has uh, prepared for us. And it was very individualized because when we did our booking, we said that my wife is, for example, gluten free and that we're vegan and that uh, we have specific restrictions. And Marta has prepared it exactly the way how we indicated during the booking. And we were totally, totally happy with the quality as well as the taste. You know, so it was fantastic. Yeah, for us to please you as a guest, it's our main concern, uh, of course inside some limits that is uh, if you want to drink sodas uh, <laughs> and have french fries with ketchup mayonnaise i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i will not please you with that but if you read ecoturismo mm. marribas no maybe something must pop up no it's like oh ecoturismo marribas maybe that's not the place to go there and ask for <laughs> you know like a, a, a gin tonic or yeah. that we do have eh? jeans but yeah. but you know like to drink canned beer and smoke cigarettes yeah. no that's not our place but when when we have guests like you that you really buy our project that's the most powerful thing you can have people that they really read what you're doing and yeah okay you, you are well gluten-free vegan breakfast it's it's an absolute pleasure to have this now on the next days we have some guests that they're walking along the coastal path but they've seen our place and say, okay, it's worth going inland 1K. Mm. That after all, when you're walking for many Ks, uh, going inland 1K, that means that you have to go to walk 1K back. Mm -hmm. Or in total, it's like around 3Ks. Mm. That it might not sound a lot, but when you've walked for 20Ks, three more Ks, it makes a difference. Mm. But they've chosen us because they've seen our products and they would like some vegetarian breakfast. And it's, it's absolutely a great pleasure, you know. Um, we're going to please them with that because it's amazing that someone put into account what you're doing and that they're coming because of that. Yeah, fantastic. Let's take a quick break to mention that the sponsor of this podcast is Wave Business Excellence Footprint, a digital training company deeply committed to your career development, personal growth, and the well-being of our precious planet. Dive into a wealth of knowledge with over 20 courses available on our website, www.wave-bef.com tailored for both managers and employees aspiring to become tomorrow's leaders. 
One of our best-selling courses is the presentation and communication skills training, perfect for those creating and delivering presentations in their companies. Whether through video conference or live meetings, if you want to convey your message effectively and do an outstanding job, this course equips you with the skills to be a better creator and presenter. Check out the testimonials on our website. The results speak for themselves. During my time in the corporate world, I often wished I had the opportunity to access such courses at the beginning, making my learning experience quicker. And now, one further topic before we jump back to the conversation. For those of you resonating with the themes of health, happiness and planet, discover information about our three-day retreat in Spain by reaching out to my team at the email address hhp at wave-bef.com. You will obtain further information about our life-changing retreat held once a year together with some of our remarkable podcast guests. Each retreat is unique, leaving you energized with a set of simple tools to take control of your health and happiness sustainably. And the best part? You will be surrounded by like-minded individuals, ending the retreat with a personal action plan shared regularly within the group. What I've seen also from your background, you studied humanitarian studies. And from what you have learned, how does that link to what you're doing today? Yeah, I, re I did my, a minor on tourism at the very beginning. Then I did a second minor on humanities and my master in history. So it's not that in a way I came back to tourism because I never, I just do the tourism as this kind of easy choice when you're a teenager. I like to travel, but I, did, I didn't really know what I would like to dedicate. So I just kicked the ball. <laughs> and then when it really came the time, I was like, no, man. Um, when I finished my tourist studies, I didn't still know what to work on. But I knew that what I really wanted to study, and that was humanities. This kind of mixture of history, art, philosophy, literature, and then taking some linguistic classes, some sociology classes, some geography classes. I couldn't think of something more attractive to me than this melting pot of all the humanities fields. And I enrolled at uh, UPF, uh, Universidad Pompeu Fabra in, in Barcelona, And I started studying this without having any further goal than enjoying my time there and making the most out of it. I started humanities when I was um, 24. I already had a minor and I already had quite a lot of experience working. And I also had experience of living and working abroad. Um, I've already lived in Ireland and in France. So that, that in a way, gave me a, a different vision no? that, that the one I had when I first enrolled tourism after finished my high school. Um, so the main goal, as I said, was to enjoy. Yeah. I didn't really think that from the, um, let's say, the working perspective, that didn't really had a point. It was just doing what I like. And I feel so happy that I found it when I was 24, because a lot of my mates that they studied when they were supposed to study at the age of 18, and they end up working of what they were supposed to like at the age of 23, 24. Then they had their crisis <laughs> when they reached 30 or 35. So I had maybe a very early crisis, but I got through it. And the most important thing is during my, my minor on humanities, 
I really knew what I want, no? or at least I knew what I didn't want. Yeah. So I wanted to travel, to live abroad, uh, to live experiences, and just working was a way to be able to do that. And since ever then, eh, since ever then, what I've done, I like my work, I love what we've created here, but the four pillows of my life is like one, the human size, that it's like family and friends. The other one, it's like traveling. The third one, it's sports. I love outdoor sports. I'm a fanatic of running. And the fourth one, it's humanities. So since I started studying humanities, and that was almost 15 years ago, uh, the focus of my life is being able to dedicate to those four things as much time as I can. And I've tried to look for some jobs, of course, that I feel honest and good about it. I've quit some jobs before being an, an entrepreneur because I didn't really feel that I belong there. I didn't like their principles and values. So in a way, we are all responsible of what I think we're responsible as citizens of what the state do. So you're even more responsible as a worker of your company do. And then it's your decision by changing your jobs or by your, who you're voting or the way you, you decide to participate politically, who rules the country and what kind of enterprises you dedicate your time and your effort. So humanities make me like clear what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And since then, I've just tried to have to do that in different ways. No? So when I finish humanities, I work as a cultural guide. I start working on a hostel project. I run a hostel for many years. I studied a master in history. I enrolled on the PhD program and I'm the only one of, of, the, <laughs> of the whole class that I didn't continue because I felt that my PhD or my research time was over. So I, I did as a paneler in some history congresses. I wrote some articles, but then I just decided to move. No, And I really like this kind of business world. Even though it's like family business, it's business after all, and you're considered the same, at least from the state's point of view. And then from the hostel in Barcelona, well, I had a business partner there, and then with my wife, or Marta at that time, she was my girlfriend, with a person that ended up being my wife and the mother of my children, we, we just decided to put all this together. No, So she did the same trip that I did and reached the same answers but through a different, through the technology, she's an engineer, she worked as consultant, and we decided like to put this kind of humanity background with engineering background together and start working towards an eco-friendly, plant-based, grounded project in a more rural area that was the, the Ampurda. So to answer your question straight and clear and short, it changed my life. I really think that it shaped the way I conceive the world and also made me understand that there are not always answers to your questions or that the answers, maybe they're not yet here or you are not prepared to understand them. Uh, but if you ask these questions and you are on the right path, sometimes the answers will arrive and then be conscious <laughs> and work towards what you want yeah i think that's really very important what you said that if you start asking the right questions then something out there will start bringing you the answer yeah, even though you do not know the answer at that moment 
but it's just the fact that you start asking the right question, then certain things will happen in your life that this question will be answered. And that's what I realized in my own life. Uh, before, I was not asking too many questions. I was just going with the flow and saw sometimes myself in situations where I was thinking that I'm a victim of certain situations. And then it's okay, no, this cannot be the way. And it cannot be true that we are victims of things that are happening in our life, that there is a way how to steer it. And that's where I started then changing the way of uh, asking questions. And then suddenly I got answers where I was thinking like, okay, maybe I maybe I have to ask now more questions to that. And then you start going down certain rabbit holes. And that's where I also changed quite a lot in my life. And that's why my, my next question to you, if you think about the direction that you and, and Marta have taken to be in this eco-friendly hotel, was there something in your life that you could see as like your aha moment that you say, okay, something has happened or something you have seen, or maybe a documentary that you have seen or, or something that you say, okay, we need to do something about the current state of our environment, of our planet. Uh, we need to do something about reducing the suffering of the animals. What was that aha moment for you where you think that could have been a shift in your mindset? Yeah, what you say, it's, it's very interesting the way you say about the questions. No? What, what, <laughs> what really, really concerns me is that when I've met people, because if you don't ask questions, then it's impossible to achieve anything no? and to receive any answer. What, what I cannot understand is that people that they ask questions but they have the answers and instead of doing something they're like complaining or wailing of about his or or, or her life you know and that, that's yeah. a point that i wanted to make because <laughs> maybe it's the worst case you know, yeah. of asking questions yeah. receiving answers but then then doing nothing or not nothing but complaining or waiting. exactly uh, there, there have been many points juan to be honest many points most of them happen while I was studying humanities. Well, I think that a frame that's comfortable and that's valid today will not be valid tomorrow. You always have to reframe your playground, your playing field, always. What works for me now, I'm sure in five years will be different because things change uh, your personally, but your surrounding. Five years ago, or the way that I've said those four pillows, like human relations, traveling, sports, and humanities, the best way I found or I could think about dedicating my as much time as I could to those four things 10 years ago was by running a hostel. Five years ago was by opening an eco-friendly project hotel in the Ampurda. But maybe in a couple of years, that will not be valid anymore. And I will have to keep on moving, no? Um, as I said, the first moment was during humanities when I just knew what I, what I liked. And the best way to dedicate to that was by having free time, not by, you know, like people said, oh, so if you really like humanities, why didn't you apply or did your PhD and you start on a scholarship and then you just work as a scholar? And I said, because I then that gave me no time for my three other things, like my friends from that time were doing, no? like my classmates. They're so passionate about that thing that they dedicate their life. And in a way, I envy them because, wow, you find what you wanted and you're doing it. So congratulations, but not for me. To be happy, I need to have more free time than they have. 
And I also, at the same time, to be happy, I don't need to dedicate as much time to research as they do. So for me, what I found at that time, well, as I said, during the humanities, during my uni studies, was working as a tour guide. I liked it, these kind of free walking tours yeah. that will work you around the city, which is fine. I've, I've done it like as a tour guide or as an assistant, and, and it's nothing to say, but it was more an, an enterprise dedicated to this cultural heritage yeah. that you just do exclusive tours and it was great to be able to explain all what I've learned, all what I've researched. Even I could share with the assistants part of my of my thesis, which was absolutely amazing. But then that was no valid anymore. The opportunity of a hostel came. Mm-hmm. I discovered hostels long time ago when I did my interrail back in 2005, I think almost 20 years ago and that really shaped my concept of traveling you know this kind of being a solo traveler going hopping on hopping off from hostel to hostel meeting other people in spanish we don't have the word hostel albergue it's not it's more a kind of scouts thing of going there with a backpack and hiking a mountain not finding a hostel in barcelona when i was uh, on high school barcelona didn't even have five legal hostels so how I was supposed to know what I would like to do if what I end up doing after my, my master didn't even exist in Barcelona. So I end up buying a license that was from 2003. That was the year I was supposed to finish high school and was the ninth license. So the year I finished high school in Barcelona, there were not even 10 legal hostels in Barcelona. So it was a new concept. No one could have at school talk about that or showed me that because it didn't exist in Spain. So things will happen and opportunities will come. For example, I did, um, I work as, um, before having the hostel, during my second minor in humanities, I spent like a summer in Israel working as a, at a hostel. And it was more rural, well, it was more rural, no, it was in the middle of the desert. That was like natural around that also was a turning point that why not running a hostel, no? Why not dreaming of a hotel? So maybe what I've had now, it's like one step further than, you know, to achieve the hotel, I first had to study humanities, I then had to work as a tour guide, then I had to be a co-owner of a hostel, and now I'm here. And they're like small moments that you have, I don't know, something you've read on a book, I think about, of course, Socrates, Nietzsche, um, for me, they're, they're, Camus, they're, they're really amazing lectures that they've changed a, a lot of things on my life. But I can also think about human relations with other students that I don't want to mention anyone, not because I don't want to forget <laughs> no one. Also professors, also uh, experience you've lived traveling, no? and they're like little moments. Just to mention two, one was, for example, I had some kind of health issues and then I asked for some help and I changed my diet and the way of eating more plant-based, honest food. It's like a new world of opportunities. Since then, almost never again feeling weak and sick and just being able to live your life with all what what I have and being able to grasp as much as I could. That was when I was 26 and then... Uh, maybe 10 years after, during the pandemic, it was one step further of trying to be as healthy as I can, like being more more strict on a healthy diet, because the only thing that will prevent us from being sick 
it's not they're not the vaccines or painkillers it's having uh, our immune system strong and one of the best ways it's eating well but of course having like natural habits of posturing i try to you know uh, you know we've talked about barefooting um to ground it uh swim on the sea all year round so just have my immune system as strong as it can be to be able to be healthy and after all well health happiness and planet no that's that's the name of this podcast so yeah there are different moments and and maybe things that doesn't really affect you directly because fortunately the pandemic doesn't really affect me directly while the other health issue it did because of a poor diet but it's sometimes being aware, analyzing the world around you and just trying to live with it or live with the threats the best way you can think about it. And when I saw what happened during 2020, 2021, it's like, man, we need to stay healthy. It's more urgent than ever. So that was also a point. Yeah. Furthermore, with Marta, we moved from Barcelona during the first day of alarm. We left our jobs. I sold my company. Marta quit her job. We left our flat there we invest our our savings in the hotel and then 2021 our first daughter arrived uh, we got married on 2022 now we're waiting for a second child so 2020 it was a really turning point but it's not like you know saint john going to damascus mm. that he felt because of the light we already had some things that make us aware of what could happen and when it happened just changing to avoid like b- bigger disasters that could happen to us and to live the the way we wanted exactly and and you also know when you see certain things and certain opportunities what resonates more with you and then you already know more or less what direction and what kind of decisions we should take And I think nowadays, as we know that there are so many things that can influence the health of our body, that for us as humans, it's very important to be able to adapt to whatever is happening out there. If I would say if the environment changes, then the people who are not so healthy, they might not be able to cope with that change of the environment. But people who are taking care of themselves, for example, if you're eating healthy, if you're lowering your stress in your body, if you're out in nature, you're having good and positive thoughts in your head and you are in a higher emotional level, then all of these things will make you more flexible in order to adapt to whatever is happening out there and your body can cope with those changes. And yeah, that's so good to hear your story on how you got there. And it's so unique because I think whatever place one is today, it can never be replicated by anybody else because your experiences, your background, it's always so unique, the path that you have taken. And there's always a thousand paths to the same goal. Yours is your unique path. Yeah? And that's why it was so important for me to also find out how is that experience for you and Marta. And thanks for sharing that yeah. with us. <laughs> thank you, thank, thank you, Juan, to allow me to share all that with you. Yeah, life has no goal. Everyone has to find its own goal. And maybe that's the thing that we should tell everyone, yeah. no? that they don't teach you to find it but to follow it exactly. to follow someone's to follow someone's goal yeah but that that's definitely yeah. not your and, and and maybe it will work it maybe it works eh, for a lot of people but uh, as a hotel runner when i am clear of the tables i think i've never seen so <laughs> many pills 
as time goes by, more empty packs of pills come to the kitchen. Wow. Eh? It's it's really amazing what, what kind of society are we creating of of all mental health yeah. issues. Eh? Yeah. And it's one of the things that I realized in this journey that the more you do good for the environment, the more automatically you're doing good for your body and vice versa. If I'm doing good things for my body, I know that this is also going to have a positive effect for the environment. And I think that example was also <laughs> seen on your side when you explained how you changed your health by going more plant-based but then being plant-based suddenly other positive effects was not only for your health but it was also giving positive effects for our environment because then you are not creating more animal suffering you're not creating more deforestation and uh, and all of the things that is like a chain effect of different things that can be caused for people who are over consuming of meat and harming themselves and then at the same time they're harming the environment so that's why for me it was such an important thing to see it's amazing. Every time I do something good for me, I'm doing something good for the environment. Yeah. And you're also allowing projects to be uh, economically valid. Yeah. Because after all, there are guests like you that they decide to spend their money in these kind of projects. If there would not be market, you know, like this project would not be open in our days. And the same, so changing like to give money, like soda business, uh, tobacco, alcohol, whatever, eh? Um and those vast enterprises of meat and just being able to give this money to plant-based enterprises. And that's also allowed that we create this alternative market opposed to the big uh, meat industry you know, or the, the big food industry. The same with the fight against the pharma industry, being able to go to alternative therapies and also spend your money in someone that they don't follow the orders of the big lobbies, which our decision, it's very small. I know Ecoturismo Marribas will not save the planet, but for me, there's no other way, you know, and, and this capitalist society that just force you to build, construct, consume more and more and more, for me, it makes no sense. Sometimes when people discuss, I don't know about it, global warming, climate changing, I, I don't really care if it's true or not. For me, it's not valid, the model. Mm -hmm. It's not what I want to share. It's not the legacy mm -hmm. I, I want to give to my daughter. To my children, I want to teach them or share other values. And to be honest, I really think it has an effect. But even if it would not have an effect, I think it's nonsense. This unless consuming society that we live after all we are part of it so try to have different ways in this world for me it should be an obligation it, it, it is it is and uh, i'm forced to look for different companies and other ways of living yeah, yeah? and give my money yeah. to this project absolutely and i think anytime you pull out your wallet every euro or every dollar that we spend we are always promoting something. Are we promoting more harm and destruction to the world or to societies, to communities? Or are we promoting constructive things for our society? And that's why nowadays when I purchase a product, I mean, before it was easy because I never thought about anything. I just said, okay, I need a certain product. I'll buy it and I have it. But I never thought about all of the things that are required in order to create that product. And what is it that the product produces during the lifetime? And what happens after the product is thrown away and not needed anymore? And all of that goes now through my mind when as a, as a conscious consumer, I try to also communicate this to other people also through this podcast so that they can uh, look a little bit further than what they are used to. And 
to say, okay, if I buy this either service or product, what is required to create it? Am I taking away a lot of resources from the planet? Am I sponsoring perhaps another corporation to be using and exploiting human resources from another country because they're cheaper and they can be just given a couple of uh, euros to survive every month. And so all of this are things that go through my mind when I start purchasing a product to say, is it really paying their employees fairly? Is it something that is good for the environment? Is it something that's going to help us? And so forth. Uh, As you mentioned, if we're going to buy um, anything from the tobacco industry, then I say, okay, it's what I'm willing to sponsor with that money. And that's one of the things we as consumers always need to be more aware about. And I'm happy that some consumers are really being more aware slowly today compared to a couple years back because we have access to information and Google and internet. Before, it was a little bit more difficult to find out, I would say, the consequences of purchasing a certain product. But now you do have possibility to find it out if you really... Uh, want to dig deeper. Yeah. So one of the things which I would like to ask you, Ignazi, uh, now that you have your hotel, you have done also a lot of brainstorming on how to reduce and reuse Yeah, because recycling is just like the last thing that should happen because if you do everything right, then hopefully there is not much to be recycled because at the end of the day, I think there's only a small percentage of what is categorized as recyclable that really gets recycled. So therefore, your method is is absolutely the right way to go. And could you give us one or two things that you have incorporated into your hotel that you are able to reduce and perhaps even reuse so that you are more sustainable? Yeah, yeah. So since we opened, we've done changes. To be honest, since last summer onwards, we think it's really difficult to even reduce it more. That is, all the tablecloths, the napkins, all what you have on the table, it's everything's washed and reused. Mm-hmm. It's a plastic-free hotel. So those are changes we've done. At the beginning, we, we didn't do it as much as now because it's a, a matter of evolution, no? of evolving. Um, I always said that if we would be illegal, we would be more eco-friendly. But we are legal. So that forced us to use some chemicals stuff or to use some plastics that we would not use. Mm-hmm. But then the state would come and shut us down. Mm-hmm. So sometimes being legal and being eco-friendly, they're two opposite paths, unfortunately. But we squeeze our, our brain and try to really do it as much as possible. So you've come and you've seen that everything's reusable. There are no plastics. All the bottles we have, almost all the bottles, they're reusable, not recycling the, the glass bottles. We ask all the guests what they want, if there's any special requirement. Uh, we know how many guests we're going to have the day before, so we can almost achieve a zero waste. We, we have a, a zero waste policy. We, we even work more on that. So maybe at the beginning, we had like different menus. And, okay, what do you want, that, that? No, no, now it's the day before we know. We know how many guests that we're going to have. And when we start the shift on the morning, we know exactly what we're going to cook. Um, exceptions. There's the toilet. You need toilet paper. That's the only thing that's not reusable, but it's recycled. And then we have homemade organic shower gel, body milk on plastic bottles. That's the only plastic. And why it's on plastic? Because on Spain it's illegal to have glass bottles on the bathroom for safety reasons. But apart from that, Mm -hmm. all what we use, it's focused on that direction. What we still could do more, the thing is that we are renting this on top 
of the what to do list, it would be solar panels. And I know people's like, oh, solar, yeah, but solar panels, it's really not worth from the economical perspective. And also from the media perspective, because you need time. So it, let's say it's 15 years no, to be profitable. But if I would have them five years and then they will have to throw them, it's really not worth doing them uh, from the very beginning. Because that's the thing that people from the greenwashing perspective mm-hmm. understand wrong. Producing, it has effects. Yeah. So uh, sometimes it's better to not produce than produce for a, a small limited amount of time. But yeah, that's definitely one of the things we would do. Eh? Mm-hmm. If I would own this or I would have a 20-year contract, solar panels, that will be on, on top of the list because it's really worth for the planet and also for the company. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I said, everything has to be analyzed because there's a lot of greenwashing in these companies, a lot of vegan products. Mm-hmm. It would be sometimes better to have meat from, from the planet <laughs> point of view yeah. than just have some vegan burgers. Eh? But it's not well... All what it's vegan, it's good, and not what yeah. it, all what has meat, it's bad. So every decision has to be really conscious and really analyze all the different points of view. But we are happy on that. Yeah. We're happy on how we've tried to re- reduce all the unnecessary waste. Fantastic, fantastic. And yes, definitely, I agree with you because some people who I've met who have said, oh, I've, I've been a vegan, but I've been just as unhealthy as before. I said, yeah, but you're buying everything with barcode labels. That means that everything you're purchasing your, your vegan burgers, your uh, soya chicken nuggets and all these kind of things, they're all produced by factories. And this is, of course, not going to be good for your health. So I just when I give somebody advice, I say try to eat as little products that contain barcodes. That means that it's coming straight from Pachamama, from our Mother Earth. And uh, that's how you yeah. should eat your food. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. And yeah, yeah. final questions we got then for today, because we are yeah. running out of time. But it's so interesting that we could go into many, many different paths with our conversation that we could take uh, for sure another couple of uh, hours but we'll have to do a second interview definitely <laughs> my question is regarding your beautiful animals that you have at your hotel yeah uh, i've seen uh, two pretty dogs could you tell us what animals you have in your hotel yeah uh, at the moment we have our two dogs both their rescue dogs mm-hmm. that they were abandoned and we have Sade. Sade is a brown dog. She's a Egyptian hound, while her mom was. They're, none of them are full breed. And the other one, Pai, the white one, is a Mastiff. And together with the dogs, we have six chickens that they produce like they're a free-range, fresh eggs every day. Wow, amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I have two final questions. Yeah. If you had a magic wand to change one thing in the world, what would that be? That's a, that's a, also a tough one. Only one. Yours. Well, I would change. I would change many things. Like trying to avoid people suffering and, of course, suffering the planet. Yeah. And there are many ways of avoiding people suffering. But when you see people suffer because of wars, because of hunger, because of family, because of the state, because of many things, it's. I think it's the worst thing that as a as a human being, as a husband, as a father, no, that I would not like that my children. Um, see them suffer suffering however at the same time it's part of life eh? it's like evil Mm. that's that's a good thing of philosophy people try to present hitler or or whoever trump or uh, as dehumanized people no 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 that's humanity humanity it's suffering and humanity it's evil maybe i'm looking for a (laughs) non-human species but at least try to reduce yin and yang would be (laughs) 
yeah. you have to live with it. Yeah. You have to teach how to overcome suffering. But what, most of the time when you see people suffering, I think it can be absolutely avoidable. It's absolutely avoidable. Yeah. And we do nothing to, or, or not as much as we can. No? And, and at least from that, what that would be, yeah, definitely that would be the best, mm. the, the first thing to do. Great, great. And the final question is, how do you define happiness? Happiness, uh, that's easier, I think. <laughs> happiness is having as much free time as I can to dedicate it to my human relations, that is, of course, family and friends, humanities, mainly culture, literature, outdoor sports, that is like running, like trail running and, uh, and traveling. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's for me, it's happiness. But also happiness, it's waking up with my children, my wife every morning and going for a barefoot walk to the beach with my dogs. Mm -hmm. eh? It's like having this time for reading a book, it's having those little moments um, for yourself and of course like with a positive mind and doing some meditation to help focus structure and like all the things in life i think uh know what is important and know what it's not important and the most of the things that worry you they're not important they're not important yeah exactly so the key is sometimes just to keep it simple yeah the simplicity is what sometimes brings the happiness yeah <laughs> I think the more simple you can keep, that's human yeah. from a, a historical perspective. You can keep life, the happier you will be, because after all, that's where we come yeah. from. Sometimes when we have so many issues, so many problems, it's that because we don't know when we come from. And that's why humanities are so important, because there's allowed you to know exactly, to know your past. And knowing your past, it's the best way to understand your present and to at least try to guess where you're going. No? There, there is a quote of Prime Minister Winston Churchill say, the farther back where you can look, the farther forward you're likely to see. So, but of course, if you, you're not able to look, not even look back to yesterday, because today this kind of TikTok society that you're like 10 seconds and then next, next, next. Um, 10 seconds, it's being generous. Eh? <laughs> and that yeah. shapes our mind. Of course, if you don't even know what's going today, you, you cannot even grasp what, what will be going on tomorrow. No, but um, yeah. you have to know yourself. Let's go back to Delphi in, in, in Greece. And then one of the bases is knowing where you come from. Yeah. And then when you know that, you can start asking the right questions and <laughs> get to know yourself better. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's, I think, a very good summary for today's episode. And wow, that was so great speaking with you, Ignazi. Thank you. Juan. I'm looking forward to being soon again at uh, your hotel. And this time we are also yeah. going to take our dog along with us. <laughs> ah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And um, yeah. we are a dog friendly hotel. Yeah. Very nice. And one thing uh, what I will do for the listeners is to put all of the links into the show notes where to find you and where to find your hotel. Yeah. We don't have websites. Mm -hmm. So as a booking, I would like to emphasize on direct booking through telephone. Okay. That's the only thing I have to tell you about that. Marta has to send me some photos. Because I'm a disaster. I have no <laughs> social networks. I don't have almost any photograph at all. Uh, sometimes like, mm -hmm. oh man, you've traveled so much. Where are the photos? <laughs> I'm sorry. I have memories. And it's good that my wife helped me with that because she loved taking pictures. I own you a couple of pictures of the hotel with, with our oh. dogs. That I, I, I remember. Yeah, perfect. I remember. Well, 
You are the contrary. You send beautiful pictures of your trips from everywhere, Thanks. which I envy, eh? but I envy in a good way. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ignazi, for this great conversation. And I'm looking forward to seeing you soon again during my next trip to Catalonia, Spain. Take care. Bye-bye. What an incredible conversation I had with Ignazi. It is amazing to realize that as travelers, we can explore our beautiful world while minimizing our carbon footprint. Here are the five main takeaways which I noted down from this conversation. Number one, opting for a sustainable and eco-friendly hotel helps travelers reduce waste as it aligns with the hotel's core principles. Number two, Conscious consumerism plays a vital role in supporting sustainable businesses and driving positive change. Number three, the journey to sustainability is ongoing and requires constant adaptation and innovation. Hotels can make significant sustainability efforts by consistently reducing waste and avoiding plastics. Number four, Rescuing animals can be a wonderful addition to a hotel, offering companionship and a unique experience for guests. And lastly, takeaway number five from my conversation with Ignazi is happiness lies in simplicity, human connections and pursuing personal interests. In the show notes, you will find the links where to find Ignazi and Marta's hotel in Spain, along with contact details. And now I'm very curious, what resonated with you the most in this episode? I value your feedback and would love to hear from you. Please rate, subscribe and share this episode with those you think will benefit from this information. Your support means the world to me and it motivates me to keep creating content that adds value to your life. Looking forward to connecting with you in the next episode. Big hugs everyone! <laughs>